On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Salil Zoshi. He is the VP of Engineering at Viant Technology. We're going to be talking about new managers and you know how you help them uh, succeed, you know, building on their strengths, what they should do in anticipation of becoming a manager, how you measure a new manager. Uh, Salil, I'm excited uh, to have you on the show. Amir, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for doing some of these podcasts. I've, I've been through some of your podcasts and they are to the point really helpful. So thank you for doing this and any way I can help. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. I guess before we kick it off, um, let's have you tell everyone, you know, just high level, what does Viant do? And you are the VP of engineering. Uh, what are some of the responsibilities you have before we dive in? Yeah, so Viant is an advertising platform. It's a it's what we call a demand side platform for advertising. Uh, the way ad, uh, digital advertising typically works is uh, on the one side you have advertisers who are responsible for, uh, well, who are interested in putting ads in front of the consumers. On the other side, we have consumers using websites, mobile devices, and so on and so forth, on which ads show up. And whether we like it or not, advertising is is a major part of revenue and profits for most of our companies right now. And that's how a bunch of economy runs today. You know, how how else would I show you stuff and encourage you to buy stuff that you didn't even know you wanted two days ago, right? Advertising. So uh, that's advertising. We are a demand side software, uh, demand side platform, which basically means that advertisers use our portal to set up their ad campaigns. Uh, we execute those ad campaigns on behalf of our advertisers. Basically, we make sure that we show the right ads to the right set of people at the right point in time and the right number of times. And then we gather any information, meaning how many times did I show the ad? Did somebody click on the ad? Did somebody purchase that ad uh, or the product behind that ad? And we show it back to the um, advertisers on the portal. So, so the demand side platform is responsible for all of this functionality. Right. And, and that's all we do as YM. That's, that's our focus and that's our only focus. We are an advertising company. Uh, within that, my teams are responsible for two major portions. The portal, as we know it, as, as the, pe- the portal that our uh, advertisers use, that's the responsibility of my team, all of the changes that go there. Any services that are in the back end for making sure the portal keeps up and running with uh, as minimum downtime as possible, that's my team's responsibility. The other part of my team's responsibility is also that for any incoming request for ads, whether it's from a website or whether it's from an app or whatever else, figuring out which ad to show and sending it back to that uh, device or that website. Um, that's the runtime part of our uh, business, you know, the, the dynamic part of our business. That's also uh, the responsibility of my team. And uh, I've been in wine just over five months today um, as we get engineering, and it's been an awesome ride so far. Awesome. Awesome. And I guess the other topic, you know, we're talking about new managers and managers that are, uh, you know, people moving into management roles and, you know, some of what comes with that. And there's a couple areas we're going to touch on. One is, you know, building upon somebody's strengths as an individual contributor, as they become a new manager. You know, how do they become well-rounded before they take the job? Because I think that's a big component, right? A lot of times people move into manager roles and they really don't know. I mean, they have no idea what the expectations is. They're just a good individual contributor. 
a lot of things change. And you've been a manager for a while, and, and I'm sure you've you know you've seen the promotion uh, and, and career progression of people. When you're looking at that progression, and you're looking at people who are moving from whatever level of individual contributor to an actual people manager role, what are to you some of those you know well-rounded skills that you'd hope somebody is? you know, stepping up with, or what are those skills that you're like, you know, you really should be coming into a manager role with? That's actually over easy 30 minutes of an answer. But oh, there we go. We're, we're going to dive on into this one. <laughs> right. And before I go into any of that, uh, please understand that I've been in the software industry only. So most of my, everything that I'm going to say is going to be with that lens is that I've been a software engineer and a software engineering manager forever. So most of my examples are going to revolve around that domain, right? But with that said, typically you wouldn't hire a fresh person from outside the company who has never had any engineering management experience. So most of our managers that, at least within the software industry that exists today, have first tried out management while in the role as an individual contributor. They started off as an IC an individual contributor and then transitioned into a manager role right and then as an individual contributor you may have been a developer you may have been a program manager you may have been a technical product manager or you could have been maybe a qa or something one of those right but you're coming into the manager role with one area that has been working well for you you have been receiving that kind of feedback and now you think it's time to up-level or well, try, try, time to try something new, right? The first question I absolutely love to ask my uh, potential managers or people who are aspiring managers is that what makes you want to try this role out? And if the answer to that question is not something on the lines of, I enjoy working with people and delivering through people, then it's something that I would love that person to introspect because managing well, managing people is very different from an IC. IC, an agile contributor, always, well, not always, but typically would have instant gratification. You have done your testing, you have done your coding, you have done your design, you have fixed a bug, you go to bed, you go to bed with a very uh, satisfied sense of feeling that you achieved something. As a manager, it's an indirect process because you don't typically get to deliver something yourself. You have to work with your team. You have to work with individuals within that team in order to be able to deliver that. And if that one level of interaction before you can achieve something is not what you enjoy or that like it makes you uh, you know restless, then this may not be the role for you, right? So assuming you've thought this through, assuming that you really do love to work with people and deliver things, then we should get on to the next level. And then let's start start talking about what does it really take to be an essential and effective manager? And we keep saying manager, but the role of managing is a fairly mechanical responsibility. But you need to be able to differentiate being a manager from being a leader. A leader is somebody who aspires, and and that's where you that's that's where you need to go to. 
like if you're an IC trying to be a manager, I would, I would, I would always ask my folks to think back about their best experiences. Like who do they think were best managers, good managers? And what did they, you know, if they were to learn something from what they experienced with that person, what would that be? And typically it, it there's a quadrant that I, I, I uh, draw out for my folks. As an IC, you may have been working on just the tech part of it, or maybe just the program management part of it, right? But as a manager, there are four quadrants that are absolutely necessary for you. And those four quadrants are, uh, you need to understand the people that you're working with, not just the people that report to you, but also the your peers, also the product managers and some of the other functions that you need to uh, work with day in and day out, right? So you have absolutely have, to know the people that you're working with, there are nuances to every personality. So you need to be on top of people management. Uh, separately, there is product. You need to understand what your team is supposed to be building. If you don't have good insights into the product, it's going to be hard to be an aspiring leader or an inspired leader, sorry. right? You need to understand the processes that your organization follows in order to deliver the products that they are building. And sometimes the uh, there are processes that are robust and you just need to follow them. Sometimes they need tweaking. Sometimes you, they, you need to have some influence from outside and, and fine tune a process or like, like rip it apart and do something else with, uh, which is a lot more efficient for your scale. Uh, so that's, that's the third quarter, right? Uh, processes. And finally, there's the tech or the tools that you're using and your entire team is using to deliver, right? So basically, you need to know the people that you're working with, the processes that they follow, and the tools that they use to deliver that set of products. As a, as a manager, you need to have uh, a great handle on all of these four quadrants. So as an IC, uh, it's time to introspect and figure out which of these are your strengths and start playing on those strengths, but also start bleeding into the other areas and acquire information, acquire knowledge, and hopefully even uh, expertise over these other quadrants or other parts of the quadrant that you may not be uh, fully aware of. Yeah, that's that's a time when you should uh, definitely seek a mentor. Uh, definitely helps a lot when you have a mentor out there guiding you through all of the process. And ask questions. It's perfectly okay to ask questions. I was going to say, with the mentor, um... It's it's not always the, 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 your current manager. It, it could be somebody outside the org. Is it actually been more beneficial to go outside the org or find somebody external, or is your your manager maybe an ideal person to be your mentor? Is is there any use cases that that, that you think works either way? Yeah, if there's a choice, I would prefer outside the org because that's like a third person view at what's going on. That's that's a lot more uh, cut and dry. But it depends on the scale of the uh, company that you're working with. I wouldn't recommend going outside the company to uh, get uh, mentorship. While that's been useful in certain cases, uh, starting off as a new manager, you may not require that level of uh, support. But outside the org definitely is a good choice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When you're looking at the profile of someone who's gone through being an IC to successful manager, and obviously they have some core skill sets and they need to work on things. You listed the four pillars. There's, there's things they need to work on because obviously day one as a manager, they may not have had all those experiences. How do you help identify? How do you start 
giving those opportunities to start building those skills. And I know you can put somebody in a lead position and give them ownership, but there's still a big gap between I'm leading to, you know, leading a team from maybe a semi-technical or semi-people perspective to I am now the manager. Like how, how do you help someone close the, 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 the gap in those skills? It, it's always a deliberate thought out and gradual process to get from point A to point B. If you want to take an example, let's say somebody is a software developer and has been in that role for the past, let's say, five years and uh, has been working with you for the past two years and, and so uh, has been reporting to you and you understand that this person has, uh, like, well, you know that this person has strong tech jobs, has a good understanding of the product and now has come walking up to you and saying that, He's interested, he or she is interested in trying out the tech role of a tech manager role. Always roll it out gradually. You already know that the tech part is well covered. You understand that the product uh, is being, he or she has been working on the product for some time. So they understand the product well. So what are the missing areas of the, like go back to the quadrant and the quadrant looks like the process part as well as the, the, the tools part may be missing because maybe this person is familiar with using the, uh, the technical tools, but maybe not familiar with using tools such as how do you, um, what are the systems that you use to rate employees and to evaluation for employee evaluation and so on and so forth. So start with the gradual process. Uh, the way I have done this in my past is uh, I've had maybe two or three people start reporting to this person uh, at, at the beginning. And even while these people are reporting to this person, the person, uh, the manager is only responsible for some parts of the um, manager activities. So I would expect this person to be able to provide me performance feedback. Uh, I would expect this person to run the daily one on the weekly one on ones with the three people that are reporting to this person. And and then during my one on ones with this person, I would kind of groom the, the manager to uh, figure out whether they're asking the right set of questions during their one-on-ones. Are they keeping it open enough? Are they evaluating the candidate or not? The, the, their, their reportees, are they evaluating them? Are they giving them the right kind of opportunities? So, you know, start with one quadrant at a time with a small set of people. Uh, checkpoint every often, at least once every uh, two weeks checkpoint, make sure this is going in the right direction and incrementally add more layers of the management responsibility. Uh, it typically takes anywhere between two quarters to four quarters for this person to, uh, from the time it's, it's the, the person started here on this journey to be able to fly solo. And, and what's most important in this, all of this is the, I have had multiple times to, I have had the need to drill down the realization that as a manager, context switch comes with the job. Like as an IC, you would have like six, seven hours of a day to do just one task. As a manager, that's almost never going to happen. As a manager, you have to be on uh, switching gears across these quadrants, across different products, different projects, different personalities. So, that realization, I can talk about it a lot of time, but it doesn't really dawn on to you until you start doing it. So you have to really 
gradually walk through all of this. And that's interesting. I think I think we're talking about you know, obviously areas somebody can focus on new skills they have to develop context switching for example is is one of those and it is very inefficient i mean you don't realize your day is gone and it's been broken up and you haven't gained any efficiency because you don't have that solid stretch of work you can do as you're kind of trying to help a new manager understand that and and to actually appreciate that i i guess there's one danger right like anybody who does something new there is a risk of imposter syndrome because they don't, they want to look the part. They want to, you know, they, they, what is it, you know, fake it till you make it. Till you make it, yeah. Right. And, and, you're, and you're talking about multiple quarters and you're talking about rounding out skill sets, learning context switching. When you're talking to your managers in their one-on-ones or new managers in their one-on-ones, what are you looking for to, to know if they're really understanding you know, what they need to do versus them saying yes and then going and being lost, that imposter syndrome piece. That's interesting. You give me a moment to think through this. So what am I looking for during my one-on-ones with uh, new managers, right? Yeah, we want to be able to detect because the the last thing, the thing that's not going to help anyone is for someone to say yes and it's and it's done accidentally, right? Because we all sometimes go, well, I don't want to look like I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm going to see if I just give myself a little time, I'll figure it out. And before you know it, a couple of weeks have passed. And then it's too late to say you don't know it because time has passed and people are assuming you know it. It's like somebody's first name. If you forget their first name, within the second time, if you ask them, it's okay. If you've gone to lunch with the, uh, the group five or six times and you ask the first name then, it's really awkward. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's true. so it's very yes. similar. To the same, same point, I guess. So, I, 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 there's this framework. Well, it's not exactly a framework. There's this construct that I've been using forever, and it's, I, I like to call it AMC, you know, align, measure, and communicate. You know, So when I have um, assigned, let's say, three people to my new manager, and that new manager is working with these people to get some stuff to be delivered, I've delegated some of my responsibilities to my new manager. And those responsibilities are always going to, like anything I'm doing or my team is doing, always has to track back to what is my org expected to be doing. And my org will track its goals back to what is the company expected it to be doing, right? So there's that hierarchy where, you know, we have a vision that translates to something that the org is doing, that translates to something that the team needs to be doing. And that translates and or, you know, part of that distance to what my manager, my new manager is going to run with. Right. So I start off typically with how is this piece of work going? And that will expose questions that need to be answered. You know, what exactly are you working on? I think that's very clear between you and me. Now, how are you executing it? How are you measuring whether you are on the right track? If you're building a design and you're going to be eventually uh, one of your team members is putting a tech design together and then you're going to go implement it. Have you split it into tasks? How are your tasks looking? Are these tasks that, do they, are they four week long tasks? If it is, then you are doing something wrong. You need to have tasks that are typically not more than five days long so that if it gets delayed, you can arrest the delay right away. When I'm asking these questions to my manager, you know, have you... What, are, what is your team telling you? Are they comfortable with what's going on? Have you heard 
uh, uh, you know, are there any red flags that you are seeing in the way they are operating? And then I also have skip levels with my uh, with uh, with the three people because remember they were reporting to me before and now I've split it and they have started reporting to this person. So I have skip levels with them and I'm asking them questions on how's it going so far? Are you getting the right kind of guidance? I'm telling my manager to curb the need to like you were an IC before, so you have that inherent bias where you need to jump in and fix things, right? But you're a manager now. You need to get it delivered through somebody else. So are you helping that person grow? And are you asking the right kind of questions and pointing that person to the right direction instead of taking control? These are the kind of discussions I would have typically in my one-on-ones with with my manager. You know, how have you communicated your goals effectively to your team? Are you measuring how they're progressing towards their goals? And then are you communicating the status of the progress so far, not just to me, not just to your team, but whoever the stakeholders are? Are you getting the right set of people in the room? Are you making sure, you know, if you see a check-in from somebody every day at uh, 2 a.m. in the morning, that's a red sign. Have you talked to them about it? You know, are your people feeling overworked? Are you overworked? How are you liking the overall job? Like that's that's the. I think as 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 a people manager, one of the most important qualities is to be able to ask the right questions. And I think one on ones is my mechanism of getting us there and asking the right questions. Hopefully, using mechanisms like align, measure, and communicate to uh, to reveal what may or may not be going right and course correct when necessary. I guess when it comes to, you know, we're talking about measuring the manager, we're talking about metrics. How do you view metrics for a new new manager or a, a person recently promoted to a you know, management position? Are, are the metrics different? How do you adjust? Can you talk about that? Yeah, it, it, they are very different. And it can be counterintuitive at times because even this new manager was used to a situation where I had um, like I have done five designs in the last year. I have um, I have reviewed pull requests for fifty people, or I have reviewed fifty pull requests, and I have done these many lines of code, and I have fixed these many tickets, and these are the products that I have released. You know, those were the metrics that were used to determine the effectiveness of this individual contributor. Now, suddenly, it's becoming very ambiguous. You know. Because now we are looking at, has there been attrition in your team? When we are running, let's say, um, every quarterly we are running surveys about how does the team feel? How, how are individual, anonymous surveys? How, are, how does the team feel? How is, that, how is that number trending for you on various factors? Are you able to deliver the product or the, piece, the feature that was assigned to you by working with your um, uh, your direct reports, is there any signs of burnout, or is there any signs which suggest that only one person is pulling the weight while the others may or may not be uh, doing effectively? Uh, are you able to evaluate and provide constructive feedback? without 
any known bias creeping into it because like if you have been working with one person for the past three years now that person is reporting to you versus the other two are new hires um there's a possibility a positive or a negative bias may uh, creep into your evaluation are you arresting your bias in time are you you know taking steps to gradually not gradually taking steps to make sure that doesn't happen so it becomes very very uh, ambiguous in terms of evaluation so the metrics that i look for like the absolutely important metrics that i look for is attrition is a red flag um if you are not able to push product like yeah since you are a new manager comparatively lesser scoped features are being assigned to you if they are being pushed out on time with the right quality that's awesome if if some of that is missing then maybe there's one quadrant that needs to be focused on maybe you did uh, you did everything that you needed to do technically but you didn't have the process in place to roll it out fluently uh, so maybe that's the quadrant that i would love to uh, double click on and add some more uh, training or some more coaching in that area so that's that's the way i would uh, that's well so that's the metrics and that's the evaluation process that i would go for uh, for a new manager I, and I think that's actually interesting. And you know, I was actually as you're as you're talking about this, and and you're kind of going talking through the metrics. Um, and this person's got to learn how to apply those metrics themselves, and 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 round out their skill and everything we've talked about. There's there's I guess one other component that kind of exists that man new managers go through that you don't always talk about, but I think it's critical. I, I see it. We're you know I'm in a recruiting company. I see this all the time is you see obviously people in in senior tech leadership, you know, IC roles on interview panels. You see them provide their feedback, they technically assess. But when they become first-time managers and they're hiring, I've noticed it's different. It's there's there's obviously they feel a lot of pressure to hire well. They want to improve their team. There's a lot of pressure on them, right? Like this, they're, they're doing this for the team for the first time. They don't want to make a mistake either. And I, and I feel for them because you can sense they are making it you know extremely difficult for themselves. I mean, you can you can tell sometimes. Not everyone. No, I don't want to stereotype everyone, but but I do see this from time to time. I guess talk about that component of it, right? When you're a new manager and you're looking to hire. You can put a lot of pressure on yourself to make sure you get it right, hit it out of the park, you hire that quote unquote, you know, A plus player, elevates the team. That's hard for any manager to do, let alone first time through. It, it, it is. And if I could take a quick diversion here, the one part that I always keep saying to anybody who is fresh to interviewing is interviewing is not about what you know, it's about what the person in front of you knows. and whether that person can apply it to the role that you are hiring for you know that's where you need to start and where you need to end is for this person if this person was on my team would that be a net positive would that be a uh, non non consequential or would that be a net negative and that should help you answer the question of should we hire or should we not hire the answer should never be maybe is it that yes or it's it's no and i would expect that from anybody who is interviewing but let's switch back to to your to, to your core question as a new manager this can go two ways one is that i'm under immense pressure to hire i want to grow my team so i would lower my bar and i would hire a candidate that 
the data suggests is not the ideal fit. That's the one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is that I'm looking for a hundred percent or a hundred and five percent fit for that role, so that it's a slam dunk, and that also uh, may or may not pan out well, right? So, really, what you're what you want to let your new managers know is that there is not always going to be a situation where you'll get a hundred percent fit. So, before you get into your hiring. Uh, rounds or your, you know, at least your interview debrief rounds. What are the five aspects that you really want and are important from the candidate that you are hiring? What is the role? What are the five most important aspects that this candidate needs to deliver? And of those five, are there any, like, and like, if I were to ask you to stack rank those five aspects, which of those five, uh, which two of those five are you able, are you ready to uh, negotiate for, you know, and that's that's the framework that you should apply to evaluating a candidate based on the debrief. Uh, always have more than one person talk to the candidate. I'm not a big fan of multiple people talking to a candidate at the same time. I think it's just uh, uh, too much of a pressure cooker situation. So have multiple people, like have at least three people talk to the candidate. Uh, make sure that they know beforehand what the evaluation criteria are. Once they are done talking to the candidate independently, ask them to submit their feedback before they have talked to each other. Let's not have them bias each other's opinions. Let's have them submit their feedback uh, independently. Then let's get into a room and talk. While you're talking through it, have your framework in place. Like here's the five criteria I absolutely need. Of those five, I can see that one, two, and three are checked well. So it looks like this is definitely a positive-leaning candidate. Let's talk about that other two that are not exactly uh, aligning with what you were expected, uh, what you were expecting out of the candidate. Is that a big deal? Is that a deal breaker? If it is not, maybe it's worth taking the risk. You know, um, so there's there's always has to be a thin balance. If you want to err, you want to err on the side of caution. But that's also something that can be corrected. It's not like you'll only get one candidate and you'll never get to interview anybody else. So it's okay to start off with a higher bar and then lower it after consultations if that's what is necessary. Sometimes it's just a matter of you have to wait. You just don't find the right candidate even after you have done the uh, appropriate amount of level adjustments. And it, it is what it is. You might want to wait for some more time. But there's, uh, it's, it's, it's no, it's likely that you may swing one way or the other, and uh, it has to be a process where uh, you consult. Uh, well, you have multiple people evaluating. You have a framework going into the conversation, so you know what you are ready to compromise on, and it's okay to lower the bar gradually. I'm a I'm a rare uh, recruiting company owner that was a software engineer worked in the BI space. So when I'm hearing you talk about you know this framework for hiring as a new manager, and I'm like, oh, it almost sounds like test driven development. Go go write those criteria first so that uh, you you know definitively what to look for versus go go interview and then start evaluating do they fit 
a criteria because you do get biased. You get biased in terms of, well, this person, you know, was good in these areas. And then that bias is hard because you don't have that initial framework of, hey, I need to see these things. What you ask for is different. So I think that's very interesting because most engineers are are, are yeah, well aware of that kind of uh, that 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 framework. So I think that's an interesting. Amount. And one thing that just, that just popped up in my mind is, and and this is something I keep iterating over and over again. When you're hiring, you're looking for an absolute yes or an absolute no. It's not relative. It's not like you interviewed five candidates and you choose one of them that you thought was the best. I mean, in that case, you might end up hiring the best from the worst. You know, that's the worst case situation. That's not how it should be. Here's my absolute criteria that need to be met. As long as they are met, I would hire the first person to clear that criteria. It, I cannot like, oh, this person has cleared the criteria, but let me sit on it and find one more. Oh, this also has cleared the criteria. Oh, let me still continue interviewing. That shouldn't be. It's, <laughs> it's an absolute yes or an absolute no. Yeah, that's that, that, that's that's a whole other podcast. And actually, you just inspired yeah. <laughs> me. Uh, I, I I think I got to put a roundtable together. I've, I've I've been I've been making a list of roundtable ideas, and one of them you just talk is about. You know, I want to talk about hiring, and I want to talk about this notion of let me see the next one. Let me see the next one, and it's it's challenging because um, you know time 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 kills all deals and the person that was there might not be there you're you know bird in the hand two in the bush type scenario but then you don't want to hire incorrectly so it goes back to what you said have that criteria you know whoever is the first person that clears you know that set that you want to hire for then obviously it becomes a lot easier to say okay i found the right person versus trying to assess and how well the next person might be better that might be true but you also might not be able to hire them they they might not want your job or take the offer, all those variables that could exist, but I like it. I like the overview. Thank you. And now you got to get back to it. So I'm going to wrap up with you. I appreciate your time. Uh, it's been fantastic. I think you could talk uh, 30 minutes on each of these points alone because because you got a fantastic background and I appreciate all your insights. I'd like to ask all, all my guests uh, this question. Um, and it's basically, if you could ask a future guest on the show to cover a topic that you'd be interested in hearing about, what would you like to learn more about? The one thing that haunts me once every 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 often is this concept of definition of done. And and the definition of done as it applies to software has been the topic of discussion a billion times at least. Uh, and there's so many different perspectives to it. You know, as an engineer, what do I define? Uh, what do I call done? As a product manager, what do I call done? As somebody who is in the sales team, what do they understand by the definition of done? And how is it like, is it even possible for all of us to align on one definition of done? Or is it steps of in, incremental uh, definitions that need to be put on one or put on top of one another? But there's multiple aspects when you look at the definition of done. And I think what would be really, really interesting is understand from somebody who's like a scrum master as to, you know, what is the definition of done, but more importantly, how do you imbibe in the engineering or a culture of internalizing definition of done and going back to it at the end of every single task that they complete and really making sure that when it's done, it's done. Uh, I think it's an, as much as it's uh, engineering need, it's an art to get there. And I haven't cracked the, the holy grail to 
imbibe that culture in my team without ambiguity. I would love some information. Like I would love, love some practical pointers on that. Uh, what's a good way? If somebody wants to reach out to you and talk to you about something, what's a good way of uh, getting hold of you? Um, best way is LinkedIn. I'm not much of a social media person, so I don't have like a Twitter and a, um, Instagram account, but uh, LinkedIn works. So thanks for being on, man. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me, Amir. And, and you're doing something really helpful. Please continue doing it. Anything I can help, don't hesitate to reach. Awesome. I, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, thank you again. Uh, that's it for this episode. Back again, different guests, different topic. Until then, two things. One, if you are a, a Scrum Master uh, and you know the definition, uh, not that you know, you have a perspective on, on this definition of done in software. And I really like the idea of different stakeholders have different timelines and different definitions of what done is for themselves. I, I'd like to have you on. I think that really helped the community. I'm a, I'm an ex-certified Scrum Master because my my <laughs> it's lapsed. It's been a long time, but um, I'd love to actually learn a little bit more self. It's, it's been a while. I think it'd be a great topic. So please reach out to me if you could help us out with that topic. Secondly, if you in, enjoy the podcast, please share it with somebody else. Um, leave a review, subscribe, comment, whatever you like. I mean, that all helps grow the podcast. That that helps kind of spread the podcast. And, and that's how it's been growing thus far. And I, I can't thank everyone that does that enough. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>